Hey everyone, welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. We are so honored that you would take a few minutes and you would join us, even if it's through an app on your phone right now. We're just honored that you would spend the time with us. And I want to encourage you, if you want to spend time with us in person, we would love to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. We would love to meet you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to serve you. So make plans to join us. But right now, I hope that you enjoy this message and we hope that it encourages you and it blesses you today. I'm excited for today. I'm excited to be back. I'm rested. I slept more than you would believe on that ship uh, this week. Actually, I was probably napping about this time last week, just staring at water, doing nothing. And uh, my brain was just emptying. But I tell you right now, I wasn't nervous about church. Do you know why? Because we have some amazing Dream Team members and some amazing leaders. Come on, y'all give them a hand for doing such a, come on, give them a hand for doing such a great job. So grateful uh, that we can get away and unplug. It's so important. You need to get away and unplug every once in a while too. And uh, so if you're on the Dream Team, thank you. Harrison, wherever you are, thank you. Tyler, were you here? Okay, thank you anyway, all right? Kevin, thank you wherever you are. I appreciate it, and if I'm missing everybody, but I, Ryan, thank you. Were you here? No, you were sick. My gosh, everybody was sick last week. But thank you anyway, and uh, I appreciate it. Hey, really quick, I wanted to highlight something. If you are in here, and maybe you haven't been involved in a group yet, it's not too late, all right? Come on, my small group leader said amen with that. You're, it's not too late. We got a group tonight. If you're married, come to that group. If you're a lady, you got a Wednesday night group, a Thursday night group. Men, you have a Tuesday morning group, a Thursday night group, and we have a new group starting this week. Come on, are we ready? The chat, okay, then come on now, listen. If you're in here and you're a young adult and maybe you're not married or you're married, you don't have kids yet, you feel like we're too old for you, uh, whatever, we have young adults starting to meet at Ryan and Jessica Chavez's house starting on Thursday, what time? Seven o'clock at their house. So if you're in here and you're interested in that, go see them. Stand up, raise your hand, do something right here. Uh, Go see them, and they will get you taken care of. And I promise it's another way you can get involved, get plugged in, all right? Uh, It's up until what age, 30? 30. We're not... Okay. (laughs) We're not checking IDs at the door, but if you have seven kids... Okay, you're probably too old to be in there, all right? If you have grandkids, you can't be there either, all right? So, uh, but I get in a group. Listen, the church has been growing in groups for 2,000 years. It works. And it doesn't just work to grow a church. It works to grow you. That's what I'm concerned about. I don't care how fast our church... I do care, but I, I'm way less concerned about that than I am about you growing, And the way that God designed you to grow is with other people. It's not too late. Get a book. We'll get a book for you. If you don't have a book, go without a book. I don't care. Get in a group. Get there. Hang out. I'm excited about tonight. We're having it tonight, right? Yeah, I'm excited. Listen, the the, the Sunday night, we and Stephanie go. We attend. We don't lead it. We attend the Sunday night group. And uh, if you want to see what it's like to have your pastor be tired and have no filter, show up on Sunday nights, and I promise you, you will get a heavy dose of that because... I might be even more unhinged tonight because I'm, I'm rested and I'm also tired. So it's going to be good. <laughs> hey, uh, if you don't, wouldn't mind, take your Bibles, turn to Matthew 17. All right, get your phones out, do something, all right? Get your phone out, get your Bible out. Go to our app. We have a, we have a Bible on the app. 
um, and look up this stuff, okay? Go to Matthew 17. We're going to camp out there. But on the way to 17, I'm going to stop by 13, and uh, we're going to help you get some context today, all right? How many were here last week? You heard Pastor Jeff Little last week. If you weren't, let me encourage you, get our app, get on our website, go to our YouTube channel, and we have a podcast. If if you're not hearing the messages when you're not here, it's your own fault, all right? They're everywhere. Find them, get them, and I promise you they're going to bless you. But this series kind of builds on itself. You can jump in and out, but it will be a lot more helpful to you if you uh, do that. So last week, he talked about Matthew 13. All right, Jesus is actually telling what we call a meta parable. And that's not a parable that happens in the metaverse. It is a parable that is kind of about parables. It's, it's meta. It's beyond. It's a, little, it's a little big. It's a little conceptual. And he's talking about parables in his parable. And he's using the illustration of a seed. Y'all say seed. seed. Come on, seed. seed. There we go. I need you with me now. And uh, I told you, I've been on a party ship. I need some something, all right? Uh, well, I can't give you the something to help you get going. I just need you to get going. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and I would encourage you to go back, listen to the message and all that kind of stuff. But uh, we've kind of been setting a foundation. We've been laying a foundation so that you can truly start to understand this principle. So we've laid this foundation. Part of that is, uh, is found in Matthew 13. And you need to understand that foundation to understand the truth that God has for you. And so we've set the foundation. And this week, we're going to deal with something that all of us, we all deal with. We're going to look at something that we all deal with that inhibits us from receiving how God works. We all deal with something in this room that prevents us from receiving the way that God works in your life and how he wants to work in your life. We all deal with this. And so it's kind of, it's built into our DNA. And so part of this series, I just want to let you know, part of this series is understanding who God is. If we can understand who God is and what God does and what God is already doing, we can partner with God and we can participate in what he's already doing. Because here's what I know. God's not going to change the way he does stuff just for you. We have to recognize the way God operates. We have to recognize the way that God does stuff so that we can join him in what he's doing. That's how this works. And so this, this series is designed to teach you this is how God works. God works in seats. But here's our problem. Y'all ready to hear the problem? Before I get to the problem, let me say this. We all have this problem. And when we notice that this is the way God does something, what it can do is it can actually paralyze you. Now, I am a decision maker for the most part, okay? I can make the decision to move our family across. Now, we made this decision, but it comes a little easier for me. I can make the life-changing decision of moving our family across the country and starting a church like that. Like, feel it in my gut, got it, I'm ready to go. You put me in front of a deodorant aisle or the shampoo or body wash aisle at the store, paralyzed. I don't know what to do. I'm like, do I want fast acting or do I want long lasting? Like, why can't we have both of these things, right? Like, do I like this smell? Will Stephanie want me more if I smell like this or if I smell like this, right? And then you know what I always do? Get the same exact thing every time. It never changes. I don't know why. I don't know why. It, I, I'm getting swagger Old Spice deodorant, period. But I will sit and stand there for 30 minutes and just... I can't make a decision. You should have seen me on this cruise. I mean, the buffet line's right there. And I'm like, 
I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do. There's so many options. But we all kind of get like this. When we don't understand how God works, it paralyzes us. Like we're like, ooh, I don't want to do anything. Well, that's not what God wants you to do. Here's our problem that we all have, though, is we all have a propensity toward the big. All right? We all have a propensity toward the big. We want the big promotion. Oh, we want the big pay raise. Oh, we don't want uh, the small. Uh, we want the big. I want the big play that wins the game. I want the big game, right? That happens next week, right? Like, I want to watch the Super Bowl. Oh, I want the big steak, right? Like, I want the big minivan. Oh, don't give me this small sedan. That's, I want the minivan, right? Like, we want the big breakthrough. We want God to do the big miracle. We want God to do the big. We have a propensity toward the big, and just think about this for a moment. Um, gas, I, I, every time I go into a gas station, I'm, I'm amazed at how big the cups have gotten. All right? And I was actually going to buy a bigger cup, but they charged me for these yesterday. And so I was like, two will do. Thank you very much, Bucky's. Uh, but anyway, yes, we stopped at two Bucky's yesterday. Yesterday, baby. Some of y'all, y'all wish you were living in the favor of God like that. But two Bucky's in one day, we could have done three. We should have done three because... We could have done four. We passed four. I would have done it had I not wanted to get home. But that's why it took me so long. And some people have to pee all the time in my family. Me, most of the time. I don't, I'm like, uh, I'll get on to everybody. Hold it, hold it. And then as soon as I got to pee, we're stopping. All right, we're stopping right now. Uh, but we, we go and we look, and this used to be like a big drink back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is all you would need. But now we got the extra, look at this thing. This is like, I don't even know how many ounces, how many ounces we think this is? 44? You knew that really quickly, Susan. I'm joking. I'm joking. It depends on how much ice you put in. I get that, right? But it holds a lot. And they sell, at the, I meant to buy this yesterday and I totally forgot because it was crazy. Um, they sell like gallon jugs you can fill up with Coke. I mean, I just blessed somebody right there. I mean, it was, that we like the big, the big gulp, right? 7-Eleven. And, and even Bucky's itself, if you haven't been to a Bucky's, come on, somebody. Bucky's is it. Can I get a witness from somebody in the crowd? Listen, Bucky's is great. We like the big. It has hundreds of pumps. It's a fourth of it is a Bass Pro Shop. A fourth of it is like a, a boutique. A fourth of it is for barbecue. And then a fourth of it's like regular gas station stuff, but better. And their bathrooms, let me tell you right now, their bathrooms, I'm coming down. Their bathrooms are so clean. You could eat off the floor under a urinal in these bathrooms. I'm telling you, they're, they're the best. And each bathroom, each stall is in, own, in its own big room. As Yesterday, Reuben got into the handicap stall. He's like, Dad, I'm over there doing my own thing, right? And he's like, Dad, you got to come in here. And he, he was like, this is bigger than my room. I was like, it is. And you can't go in there because if someone needs it, you can't be taking it up, you know? But we like the big. We like the big. But let me tell you something about the way that God works. Everything in God's kingdom starts small. Everything in God's kingdom starts small. But we want the big. But we don't like that it starts small. And so when we don't like that it starts small, we don't participate in what God's doing because and we, it paralyzes. We don't do anything. But we have to understand that what God's doing, it always starts small. And we get frustrated. Well, God, why can't you do this? 
Why aren't you answering this prayer? Why, why can't my marriage be better? I've been praying. Well, God starts small. Well, why isn't he still? He starts small. Maybe the brother just needs to come to church. For, like, get them have a step first, you know? Like, it starts small. We can't get frustrated. Or we get dismissive. Because we don't like that everything in God's kingdom starts small. But we want the big. And so Jesus says in Matthew 13, he gives us this teaching on how his teachings works. And he says this, he told them in another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard. What's that word? Seed. Seed. Come on. What's a, a mustard, Seed. which a man took and he planted in his field, though it was the smallest of all seeds. Yet it, it yet when it grows, it's the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree. So now that instead of the birds snatching away the seeds off the ground, they now perch in the tree because the tree is so big. Some of you, you feel like your seeds been eaten up off the ground. You feel like, man, my life has been eaten up. There's I have nothing to show for it. Like, I, I, I don't like the way my marriage is. I don't like the way that my kids are right now. I don't like where I am professionally. I'm anxious a lot. I, I struggle with this. I struggle with that. And you, you feel like your life has been eaten up. Well, maybe it's time to get your seed off the ground and get your seed into the ground so that we can get into an environment where it can actually start to grow. We, it's important where we put our seeds. And so I want to give you some understanding on why Jesus talks about the mustard seed. Because in Matthew 17, he revisits the mustard seed again. He talks about the mustard seed again. And he shows it in a different way. And he talks about it in another area that we need to value, even if it's small. I have a couple pictures of a mustard seed up here. Look at this. Can y'all see that black dot right there? You see that? Can anyone not see that? Great. All right. So look, you see this black dot right here. That's a mustard seed. They're tiny. They're really, really small. And Jesus used this as an illustration because they didn't have the benefit of science. They didn't have microscopes. Like they couldn't see small stuff. This was quite literally the smallest thing that they could think of. Like this was it. Like they didn't get much smaller than this. Maybe a grain of sand or like salt. But Jesus was using this illustration because it was something that the, the people back then could have understood. This was the smallest thing that they could think of. And so he, he's relating to this mustard seed because it's a way that they can relate to it a little bit. And he was using the smallest thing that they could think of to teach them a big principle in their lives. He was thinking about this. And by the way, mustard people, if you're in here, you're snooty. All right, I just want to tell you right now, you're snooty. You don't like other things, but you like mustard. Mustard's okay, but mustard's mostly gross. Is anyone with me? Come on now. Thank you. That was for free today, you snooty people out there. Mayo's where it's at. Come on, I got any mayo people in the house? That's what I'm talking about. The best. Mayo's the best. And if you're making your potato salad with mustard, get out. All right? <laughs> potato salad is made with mayonnaise. All right, that's all I got to say. Actually, I don't, mind, I don't mind mustard with the right stuff, but I'm, a, I'm more of a mayo guy. But if you're a mustard person, you don't like anything else. Um, in Matthew 17, uh, there's a problem. And it's not a conceptual problem, all right? Uh, Jesus was preaching in concept in Matthew 17. He's talking about real life. He's, he wasn't really preaching. He was not preaching about concept. He was preaching like, about real life. 
And so Jesus, right before this, he's gone up to a mountain. He took Peter, James, and John, and they go up to this mountaintop, and they have something, what we call now the transfiguration. Y'all say transfiguration. Say it with a British accent. It helps. Transfiguration. There we go. There we go. It makes you sound a little smarter. Um, And so they go to this mountaintop. Jesus transforms in front of their eyes. This is crazy. And he becomes who he truly is in front of Peter, James, and John. Not only that, but Elijah shows up and Moses shows up and they're like hanging out with Jesus. And what do the disciples do? Does anyone know? They say, Jesus, let's build some tents. Like, let's stay here. This is amazing. Like, we want to stay here. Why? Because we like the big. The disciples, they wanted the mountaintop experience. They liked it. They, They liked the big. They said, man, if we could just stay here. How many of y'all have ever thought that before? Things are going well in your life. God's answered some prayers. And you're like, I just want to stay here. That's how I feel right now in the state of our church. I love how our church is right now. We're growing. Uh, We're welcoming new people every single week. And it's just, I feel amazing. I love it. But listen, I need to learn this. You need to learn this. What happens next is not a coincidence in the Bible. You can't stay there. We're all about the big. Big is great. I love big. But we can't stay there. And let me tell you, if you don't learn what you need to learn on the mountaintop, you're not going to have anything to use when you're in the valley. You have to pay attention to what God's teaching you now because it's not going to last forever. You got to be ready to go back down to the mountaintop. So Jesus takes him down the mountain and he does something crazy happens. This happens in Matthew 17. He takes him down. It's not a coincidence. There's no coincidences in the Bible. Jesus takes them away from the mountaintop. This is their first experience. It says this in Matthew 17. When they came to the crowd, there's this boy, by the way. He's possessed by demons. It's real life stuff. They came down to the crowd. A man approached Jesus, and he knelt before him. He said, Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, But they couldn't heal him, like these worthless guys. I mean, I brought them here. They couldn't do anything. And so this boy, I want you to imagine this. Imagine one of your kids. There's no kid. There's no pain like kid pain. Imagine one of your kids. One of your kids might be hurting right now. This boy was, it says a boy, was possessed by demons. And these demons were causing him to have seizures. The demons were so mean and evil, that they were actually throwing this boy's body onto open fire. They were throwing this boy's body into water, trying to drown him, trying to kill him. And so this dad is desperate. How many of y'all would be desperate? I mean, you were like, I will do anything. I will kill anybody. I will go John Claude Van Damme on somebody, right? Like if it meant that my boy would be healed. And he's desperate. So he's like, these people, he associated him with Jesus, let me take him to these people. And they weren't able to do a daggum thing. And so he's finally like, finally, Jesus is coming down the mountain. Jesus, listen, please, I need you to help my son. And he's like, these guys couldn't do anything. And so here's what Jesus' response is. You unbelieving and perverse generation. Come on, Jesus is coming strong. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you, right? Come on, I, like, don't you get this thing by now? Like, how long do I have to put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And so Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. 
I don't think that this next part is only talking about demon possession, by the way, or about healing. I think that it's, it, it, this part is in the Bible to help us understand how Jesus works. And so we get a little, we get into inside information on the conversation that they're having. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private a little bit later that day. And they go, why couldn't we drive out the demon? Like, why couldn't we do that? And I love this. We get to look inside the tribe for a second, right? Like they were asking the same question that maybe you've asked before. Maybe you asked it during this last 21 days of prayer and fasting. I know Jesus wants to use me to do big things, but how come I've never been able to uh, heal somebody when they need healing? How come I've never been able to see God do this amazing thing through me? Like, why can't that happen? Like, I, I want it to happen. I guess I believe it can happen, but why can't it happen through me? Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, the little thing, you can say to the mountain, the big thing, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing. Y'all say nothing. Come on, y'all say nothing. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, Jesus is showing them a contrast here. He's taking the smallest thing that they know of and the largest thing that they can see. They were in Galilee in this moment. There's mountains everywhere. They can see mountains. And so Jesus is looking like a faith the size of a mustard seed. You can look at that mountain right there and you could say, move. But what Jesus is really saying, he's like, hey, this mustard seed is nothing compared to the size of that mountain. He wasn't saying you have little faith. He was saying, you have no faith because if you had faith even this small, nothing would be impossible for you. He was saying you have no faith. But what they did have was they did have their ability. They did have their own intellect. And when you don't understand the seed of the person of Jesus and how he works, you never truly have the faith that it takes to move the mountain. And so Jesus is saying to them, hey, there's so much more power available to you. There's so much more power available to you. That's why he's getting frustrated. He's like, I, I laid this out here. I, I've been showing you how this thing works, but you're not receiving it, right? Like you don't have to do it all. You don't have to try in your own strength. You, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to uh, do this all by yourself. Like it's not completely up to you. And some of you, you think the th same thing. Like, well, maybe if I could just listen to this sermon, uh, maybe if I could just uh, get to church, or maybe if I can get a hold of the pastor, or maybe if I can just do this. No, no, no. It's not about what you can do. It's about what Jesus has already done and what Jesus can do. And so let me just tell you, Clinton Stephanie cannot heal you. The disciples couldn't heal this boy. This church cannot heal you. Jesus can heal you. It's not about us. Now, will we ask God? Will we pray hard? Will we have faith? Will we be full? Yes, absolutely. We'll do all those things. But it's not the power of Clint that can do anything in your life. Trust me. I'm not that impressive of a dude. It's not the power of Stephanie that can do anything in your life. And she's amazing. It's the power of Jesus. They, the disciples thought that they had the power to do it, but they didn't. They needed Jesus. And I think Jesus is saying to some of you today, quit looking for the right answer. It's found in Jesus. It's available to you right now. 
The answer is Jesus. He wants to move in your life. He wants to do something in your life. And so he makes this in comparison of the mustard seed and the mountain. And he says, you can say to this mountain, when you have faith, it changes the way that you speak. And now you got a little faith. I'm ready to take on this mountain, right? You, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I want you to hear this today. Small can create great. Small can create great. Small can make a big difference. Don't, don't disqualify the power of small. Small can create great. Small can make a big difference. But what's the opposite of faith? A lot of people say the opposite of faith is doubt. Fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. Not doubt. It's fear. And we have a problem. Let me just tell you, we have a problem today with fear. And I'm not talking about arachnophobia, okay? I hate spiders. I also hate snakes. Didn't realize I hated snake until I saw one in the wild one time, and I was high-stepping the mess out of there. Let me tell you right now, it scared the bejesus out of me. But I don't like snakes. I don't like, I don't like bugs. We, our basement is full of these cave crickets. I swear they could pick this cup up and carry it away. They're gigantic. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Those camel crickets, big ones? From Satan. They might be worse than cats. I, they might. Basement's full of them. I won't even go down there. Kids are like, there's a cricket down there. I said, good luck. Get a shoe. I'm not doing it. I can't. I can't do this. But we we, we have an overabundance of fear. I'm not talking about that kind of fear. That kind of fear, it's not real. Okay? I can get over that. I can go kill the, the, the crickets down there. But fear sells. Fear creates clicks. Right? Like, fear is something we struggle with before COVID. But my goodness, since COVID, we're so afraid. And I'm not talking about wisdom, by the way. You can be wise and not be fearful, all right? And some people might say it's fearful. It's not. You can be wise and and not be fearful. But COVID's made it worse. Many of us are consumed by fear, anxiety, or depression. And listen, I'm not condemning you. I'm I'm a part of you, okay? I'm not condemning you, but I do want to tell you there's an answer. You can find that answer today. I believe that with my whole heart. And it's the person of Jesus, And he can change the outlook you have on the world around you. But we have this problem of fear. It's not an external force. It's Jesus. Jesus is the thing that can overcome this fear. And I'm talking about like real life stuff. If someone tells you, by the way, they're not afraid of anything, they have fears. Okay, I just want to let you know. They're insecure, all right, but they have fears too. And the things I'm talking about is like you find a bump and you start spiraling, like I'm going to die of cancer. Like what if this is something serious? Or how am I going to raise my kids in this culture? Like how am I going to do this, right? Like uh, what if I can't secure that sale at work, that sale at work, and, and then my family's going to struggle financially? Or what if, what if I don't uh, do this? Like what if like, you just start playing the what if game? Am I really going to die alone? Like am I really not going to find anybody in my life that I can connect with? And we all have fears. Listen, I have them too. When we started this church, my word, I didn't know I was a fearful person. And I am very, I can be very fearful. Stephanie's laughing because she's like, well, I've known this for years, right? But I've been very fearful. I had times where I'm like, I don't think I'm going to make it. 
or this, this church is definitely going to make it, is what I would think. And, or I would think, like, I don't think I have what it takes. And I, I would get afraid, and I would get anxious. I would have panic attacks and anxiety attacks, and I would go through all these things. And by the way, if that's you, don't be afraid to get medicated. Go to the doctor. Get help. Go see somebody. I take medicine for it every day. And it's performed a miracle in my life. I just want to tell you right now, you have my permission. I don't know if you need it, but I'm not a doctor, but go see a doctor and don't be afraid to do that, by the way. You're not any less of a Christian if you do that. But there, there, there's a lot to process. You have fears. Maybe you, you're getting older and you might have some regrets and you're afraid of what's coming next in your life, right? Like, or maybe there's a relationship that's not quite right, and you're just afraid, like, I'm not going to be able to fix this before it's too late. Or maybe your parents got a bad diagnosis. That's happened in our church so much over the last month. Man, I've been praying for our parents in this church that God would heal them and that God would be with them, that God would speak to them, that God would somehow get glory out of this. But maybe that's you. And you know you only have a certain amount of time left with your parents, and you're afraid. Uh, and you don't know if you're going to be able to make ends meet. But when you have that fear, what do you do? What's your response? Does it consume you? Start small. You planted the wrong seed, and that seed of fear starts to grow. What do you do when you get afraid? Because that's the opposite of fear. I'm sorry, that's the opposite of faith, is fear. So when we're afraid of something, we can't have faith. We have the opposite of faith. And so I want to teach you today how faith actually works like a seed. How does faith work like a seed? I'm going to throw the empty picture of the seed up there. I'm going to give you a few things. And listen, this is a great opportunity for you to take notes. You're going to want to remember this. Uh, this is going to be great. A lot of people, you think that faith is for the super spiritual people. How many of you know people in your life that you're like, they just ooze faith. And when they pray, God doesn't hear my prayers because he's too busy listening to their prayers. Y'all know, y'all have people like that in your life that you're like, how do they do that? They're like superhuman. I have people like that in my life. I'm like, how does he do that? How does he have that outlook? Well, they have an understanding. I want to teach you how they have that faith. Because if we can have that faith, I believe God can start to move in your life. And let me tell you, it always starts, faith always starts with God, not you. Faith will always start with God. It will never start with you. Uh, it's not an emotion. It's not willpower. No, it's faith in God. A.W. Tozer, who's a famous theologian, he actually said this, your view on God will determine everything else about your life. So, so goes your view of God, so goes the rest of your life. If you think God is small, you're, it's going to affect everything. If you think God's big, and he can do anything, that's going to affect the rest of your life. And so the first thing that uh, this all starts with is how we view God. Let me tell you right now, God is faithful. Y'all want y'all to say faithful. Faithful. God is faithful. That's his nature. This, this scripture is a little too small for you to read, but it says this. Know therefore that the Lord is your God. He is the faithful God. Being faithful is not something that God tries to do. It's who he is. He doesn't have to go, man, I hope I'm faithful today. No, no, no. That's who he is. That's who God is. He's a faithful God. So we don't like bad circumstances, but we can have faith even in the midst of bad circumstances because we win. 
We have faith in God. We know that God is faithful. He's ahead of you. He knows your future better than you know your present right now. And you will never, listen to this, you will never have faith when you trust more in human beings' ability to fix your problem than you trust God. You'll never have faith. So we have to have faith. God's faithful. He's going to be there. No matter what's going on, God's going to be faithful. Faith is, I know my God, I know his character, and I know he can be trusted. That's what faith is. We have to have faith in God, and we have to understand that he is faithful. The second one is uh, we have to uh, believe that his word is reliable. Y'all say reliable. You're reliable, just like the seat you're sitting on right now. It's reliable. Now, most of you probably didn't go, I hope this thing's going to work, boy, man. You know, you just, it's reliable. You sit on it. You sit on it every week. It works. Now, the lights in here are another story. They're not very reliable. I worry about them every week, right? But the chair, it's reliable. People that are full of faith, they're not fake. They're just full of God's word. They're full of God's word. When you're a person of the word, you understand that in the midst of every situation, that God's word tells you that you're more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. Uh, God says that he's with you. God's word says, don't be afraid. And guess what? I'm going to believe those things because the word is reliable. Oftentimes we turn to every other source in bad situations. We'll go to, we'll go to another person. Uh, we'll go to a family member. We'll go to Instagram or Facebook or TikTok and find people that are inspiring that say garbage things to you all the time, right? But we go to that like it's, no, no, no. We go to God's word because God's word is reliable. It says this in Romans 10, 17. So then faith, I want my faith to grow. Well, faith comes by hearing, not hearing a cool song on Caleb, not hearing, no, no, faith comes from hearing the word of God. And let me tell you, God's word is reliable. It's reliable. It will never come back void on you. It doesn't come from hearing somebody online. It doesn't come from your news channel. It doesn't come from a family member. No, faith comes by hearing the word of God. If you're not hearing the word of God, you cannot have faith. Bottom line, you got to hear the word of God to have faith. Third thing is this. It takes time. This is a tough one. It takes time. And let me tell you, it will take longer than you think. It will take time. The Bible says this. Do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience... What is patience? I tell my kids this all the time. Patience is waiting with the right attitude. Through faith and patience, we can inherit the promises of God. If you have faith, great. But to do this, you need faith and patience. It takes time. It takes time. If you, you, a lot of times we look at people that have something that we want, they have the body that we want, they have the house that we want, they have the car that we want, they have the marriage that we want, they have the kids that we want, they have, every, they have the money, that, they, they, they have everything we want. And we think, well, their parents were rich. Or, or uh, it just happened overnight. No, that's a lie. If you're looking at somebody wanting something that they have, let me tell you, it took time. It took time. It takes time. You can't expect your mirrors to be perfect today. It takes time. It's going to take some date nights. It's going to take some investments. It's going to take work. It's going to take effort. It's going to take time. It takes faith and patience. And my goodness, 
Uh, it's so hard to, uh, to understand that. Now, uh, I have this right here, and th- my mother-in-law swears by this stuff, all right? And uh, I want you to smell this. Don't do ho- too hard. <laughs> smell that right there. Strong, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it about opened, opened up your stuff. Smell this right here, bro. Carson, get a little bit on your finger. Come on. Get a little right, bit. Right, right. Put it right here. Just a little bit. Dab will do you. Just on your thigh, yeah, right there. You feel that? Don't touch your eyes now. It'll hurt. Here, smell that right now. Hey, smell that. Don't go too hard. You want to smell? You don't want to smell it? Okay, right here. Smell that. It's strong, isn't it? Here, smell. You smell this? Smell this. Pedro, check that out right there. Get you a little dab. Come on, get you a little dab. Get, it's Vicks on steroids. Put it. Put a little bit right here. Put a little bit right there. Put a little bit right there. Smell that, bro. You need that at the hospital. You like that? You like it? I tell you, you needed that last week when you weren't feeling good. Listen, a dab will do you this stuff. You don't need much. Now, my mother-in-law will, uh, you could break your arm. She'd be like, put some unkers on it, right? Like this is just, it'll heal it, right? Like it's just, I love it. Now, when I don't feel good, I will go to bed and I will be, I mean, it's all over my chest. Steph ain't touching me that night. I tell you right now, she's she going to bed with a mask on just to get rid of it. But a dab will do you. You don't need much. It'll do, you feeling it right now, ain't you? Yeah. You feeling it, Pedro? Come on, baby. I like it. <laughs> Let me tell you, a lot of us treat church like this. Yeah. A little dab will do you. I'll just go on Christmas. I'll go on Easter. I'll go on my kids getting dedicated or baptized. That's not how this works. A dab will not do you. But we treat it like that. Oh, I just Sundays, I just need it on Sundays. No. You need to be immersed in this stuff. Can you imagine if that was all over your body right now? No. Like you, but that's what you need. You need to be, uh, it needs time. It needs consistency. It needs faith and patience. And a lot of times we treat God like just a little bit will, no, 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 no. A dab will not do you. We need to be immersed in the things of God and watch how he changes. Y'all need, y'all need to listen a little faster, my goodness. All right, the fourth thing is we have to believe and then act. We got to believe and then act, right? Like uh, it says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. The entire Christian life is based on this. You have to believe, have faith. Let me move so you can get your picture. Uh, We have to believe, have faith, and then act. You, you, you can't just believe. You have to, to step out and, and, and take steps on that belief. And a lot of times what we do is we have faith for this big thing and God does this miracle and all of a sudden we've planted this mustard seed. It grew up into this big tree and we're like, oh, finally, we're, we're taking steps. We see this tree. It's finally here. Oh, thank you, God. And we think the rest of our life is just going to be full of breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough and we're not going to have any more problems. Bull. Let me tell you right now, their whole life is you get to this tree, you see it grow, you got to take another step of faith. You got to take another step of faith. Your whole Christian walk is you taking step of faith one after the other. We have to believe, then act. We believe, then act. We take the faith step, we hear God, and then we move. That's how faith works like a seed. You need all four of these things. You have to understand his nature, his word, his timing, and our response. That's how faith works like a seed. But the last question I want to answer for you today is I want to answer this. How do we grow in our faith? So we know how it works. 
So how do we plant this thing in the ground and get it to grow? Glad you asked. It says this. We understand that big always starts small. Big will always start small. When we have big problems, it's natural for you to, uh, to desire a big solution. But that's not how God works. And let, make no mistake, God has big plans in store for you, a big destiny for you, bigger things than you could possibly imagine. But can I just be your pastor for just a second? If you want the big thing for you, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you right now, be ready to face bigger devils. What is it? New levels, new devils. When you, when you start to see the big come into your life that God has for you, you need to be ready for a big fight. It's not going to come easy. And the people who are focused on the seed and getting the seed in the right place are ready to withstand the thing that God has. But if you're not ready, if you don't have the right things planted in your ground, you're going to start to see the big and it's going to devour you. When we started this church, before we moved, even right when we moved, it was like, man, we're going to have 300 people on our launch day, baby. That's what, we're going to have 100 people on our launch team. We had big plans. God had big plans. And uh, let me just tell you, we were met with hurdle after hurdle, hardship after hardship. The, the devil tried to kill us every way imaginable. He tried to attack the finances. He tried to attack us through disunity from people on our team at the time. Uh, he tried to send a pandemic to stop us, right? And like COVID, we're starting in the middle of COVID. How you have a church when no one can be around each other? Uh, and then you got people that are mad if you ask them to wear a mask. They're mad if you don't ask them to wear a mask. And then vaccinations. And then not to mention in the midst of all this, an election year that went great, right? And, uh, and racial unrest is happening. And here we are kind of stuck in the middle. How do we respond? What do we do? And the devil tried to kill us time and time again. But let me tell you right now, God's always had big things in store for our church. And you know what he had to do? He had to take our idea of what big was to our church and he had to make it small. And he said, no, 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 you're not growing that way. Plant that seed. Start small. Grow this thing my way. And I'm going to tell you, that was a hard pill for us to swallow. I did not want to do that. We came from a church that, has, that will today have about 40, 50,000 people at their church. That's what the context we came from. So we come here, I'm like, there's only 20 people here. You couldn't kill somebody with a hand grenade, y'all. I could launch that thing in the middle of the church and everyone would be okay. All right, I'm just telling you, it was tiny. But God did something special there. He removed our idea of big and he said, no, this is gonna start small, but it's gonna start right. And I'll tell you, I am so proud of this church. Proud. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of our dream team. I'm, if there are three people that show up, I'm happy. I love it. Why? Because it ain't about that to me anymore. I want to get this thing right. I don't care about how big it is. It'll grow. It is growing. But we have to understand that big always starts small. We got to grow God's way. The second thing, we expect to get more of what we water. You want to grow in your faith? You want your faith to grow? We expect to get more of what we water. People of faith water faith seeds. They understand, y'all are gonna get sick of hearing this. You have to have the right environment. 
We have to have the right environment or the seed will never, ever grow. In fact, there was a German study called the forgetting curve. And I want you to understand this. They, they determined, and now this is proven to be true, that if you receive truth, if you learn something and you don't put it into practice, you will forget it in six days. Some of you come to church six days later, forget what we talked about last week and it, because you're not putting it into practice. But if you put something into practice, it does something to your brain, you remember. So that's why it's important. Get in the right environment. Show up. Go to the group. Well, I don't know anybody. Okay. Get to know them. They're nice. I promise you. And if someone's not nice, come tell me. And we'll make them nice. I promise you. Okay. But we, we got to have the right environment. You got to be there. This doesn't magically work. You have to participate in what God is already doing. The third thing, last thing is this. We realize that faith grows in the right environment. Jesus actually went to a city one time and the Bible says that he was unable. He could not do miracles because of their lack of faith. Environment matters. Your environment matters. Where you put yourself matters. What you watch matters. What you listen to, it matters. You want to grow in faith? Put the seed in the right environment, right? And this and that applies. It will grow. It will take care of itself. You don't have to work at it. And that implies your business. That implies your kids, your marriage, your occupation, all that stuff. Put it in the right environment. Listen, you sow the faith seed. You sow the Jesus seed, the seed of God's word. You sow that seed. And you can look at that mountain that you're facing right now and you can say, move, and it will move. So you want to grow in your faith? Great. Do everything we just talked about. You will grow in your faith. You will have a faith at least a side of a mustard seed. And watch what God does. Come on, I want to pray for us today. God, would you, I know it's late, I know it's hot in here, but don't let us move past this moment. Open our hearts. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Some of you are experiencing a mountain in your life. And you're like, I have no idea how I'm going to climb that mountain. But I need it to move. Clint, would you pray for me? If that's you, come on, raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Don't be shy. You have a mountain. Jesus, you see the hands up. You know the mountains. Help us grow our faith, God. Help us believe in you, believe in your timing, believe in your word. God, help us get this seed in the right environment so it can grow. And God, I pray that these mountains that are standing in the way, in Jesus' name, they would begin to move. God, give us wisdom where we need wisdom. Give us provision where we need provision. Give us restoration where we need restoration. God, do what only you can do. God, we love you. We thank you. There's one more group of people in here I want to talk to as we end. And maybe you're in here and you've never started a relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't have that seed, the Bible actually calls Jesus a seed. If you don't have that seed, none of this matters. But God wants to do something special in you. And it can only happen if you have the seed of Jesus. And if that's you, you want to make a decision right now to follow Jesus for the first time. I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand in this place. All right, you can put your hand down. If that was you, you can say this prayer up to me. Say, dear God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. God, come into my life. I receive what you did for me on the cross. And in the best way I know how, I would live for you.
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, give God a hand, everybody, for what he's doing.